Hi, <clears throat> how are you? Good morning. Hi, how are you? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you well. Okay, thank you. Um, since you opened the room, you're the moderator now. So if you could make me moderator too, so how it works is... How you, do um, I do that? Should I just quit <laughs> first? Maybe it's oh, no, it's fine. Um, so you click on my profile picture, like on uh -huh. the icon, and then on the bottom there should be an option, make moderator. Okay, make a moderator. Perfect. Yeah, now I will okay, uh, add the topics and um, things like that. So everything seems to be working fine. So okay, perfect. And you will upload the the slides or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm doing it. Okay. In a second. I'm trying to find appropriate topics. Okay, and now the slides. Thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. I hope you had a good day so far and yeah, and happy good. new year. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? Mm, did you usually travel for your new year um, or are you um, no really because usually the chinese new year is always during the week or during work weeks so we usually just get together with friends and have a nice dinner thing so nice it sounds nice yeah we also for the holidays you celebrate we usually stay and uh, celebrate with friends because it's a little bit expensive and stressful to travel during the holidays yeah that's fine i think there's so much more money yeah you go yeah. you can go three times <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now I'll share on Twitter that we are about to start. Yeah, we still have like around six minutes, so you can relax in the meantime. Sure. So the 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 society, the clubhouse, is it like? In the, most of the people in the U.S. or actually also outside, what are the, how do you, what's, uh, what are the memberships? Uh, yeah, also outside, really all over the world we have, um, of course, in the U.S. and the West Coast, it's, right now it's a little bit early for the West Coast, so they will listen to the replay. And then we also have people in Australia and also in Asia, Japan also, uh, like, and um, and then in Europe, 
uh, and then we also had people, yeah, from all over the world presenting here. Um, so, okay. yeah. It's really just very hard to find a time that works for a lot of people and then works for our work schedule. So that's why we do the recordings. Um, the good thing is that people have the access to the links and the chat um, and resources we share in the chat. Like later on, we, we still, they'll stay active in the recording. So it's really not a big difference, just people cannot ask personally a question. But other than that, mm -hmm. it's a very similar experience. And how do you try to find a topic, for example? What what do you actually do to say, okay, these are the topics since interest for the club, how do you actually find those topics? Do you actively go out in certain categories or it's just kind of a random work what's interesting, you just um, look up and invite the people or you actually have a set of say, okay, this, this month we are trying to do this topic, what do you do? Um, yeah, no, it's not by month which topic we do. I just try to be broad. Like I usually read broadly um, in science. Like I think it's really interesting to also read uh, topics that are not my field. And um, so I try to have a mix um, of topics and um, and I also try to have a mix of uh, people where they come from. It's still mostly US and Europe, but um, yeah, I try to to invite people from all over the world. So, but no, yeah, and and Australia. It depends how open people are to um, experience like a new type of presenting and using a different app. And I feel like that most of the time people from the US and Australia and so on tend to say, yes, oh, I'll try it then, yeah, you know, yeah. then and people from other places. Sure. <laughs> the... Yeah, but we had people also um, from Africa here and and so on. So, yeah, we we try. And from India last week, um, we used to have more people also from uh, Russia and China, but I think it's not allowed right now. Like this app doesn't exist. Uh, so either people use VPN or they they can't come here. And then there's also a way to do this on Twitter. That's the same issue. Um, so that's kind of sad because there are a lot of really great publications coming out, especially out of China. Mm -hmm. Very interesting work, but yeah, it doesn't work right now. I would have to maybe record it and then stream it, but that's not the same thing. So yeah, it's not. No. So.
Yeah, we are almost there. Two minutes left. Oh. I know Frank wanted to. I'm not sure if he will be able to come, but he wanted to come. And um, yeah, he says it's a little bit late for him, but he will listen to the replay. So. I used to uh, live in Stony Brook for a while, so I was really close to your land. Oh, okay. Yeah, I live in Port Jeff, so it's pretty Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Port Jeff is really nice. Yeah. So it's nice during pandemic, I always, like every day I can walk to the hub and come back. And so it's, it's good exercise yeah. and nice view. And they didn't close it, right? Where well, we left, they started closing the. They closed here in the city. They closed the parks. No, it's it, the parks are all open. Yeah, that was sad when they closed the parks. I mean, you could still walk on the street, but also not with many people. Mm -hmm. Like you can like meet with other people and walk on the street. You would have to just with your family or. By yourself but um yeah i like port jeff very much i know one um one friend of ours like the, we are friends with the family wang khan uh, i don't know if he's at, he's at the brookhaven um he's a physicist in brookhaven where you are wang khan i don't know if you know him but yeah no yeah okay and, it's probably a bake. So <laughs> <laughs> it's time to start. So welcome everyone to Science Society. And of course, a special welcome uh, to you, Zangbu. And I hope I'm saying your name right, but it's correct. No? Thank you. And uh, so that the audience gets to know you a little bit better. Um, I will start with a short introduction and a short interview. And uh, then we'll go from there. So um, Dr. Zhangmu Chu, he earned his bachelor's in physics in 1994 from the University of uh, Science and Technology in China. And then he did his PhD at Yale University on um, research he did um, at Brookhaven's alternating gradient synchrotron. And then he stayed on as a postdoctoral researcher at Yale. And um, then later he joined the Brookhaven uh, lab uh, as an assistant uh, phys physicist in the STAR collaboration. And um, he was then promoted in 2003. And uh, Dr. Shu has uh, co-convened a STAR physics working group studying the chemical and thermal properties of the dense matter formed at RHIC and a cross-collaboration working group on electromagnetic probes with the upcoming um, upgrades. Um, so, so I assume that uh, you received the funding to build a newer, bigger collider? Is that is that correct or is it still so, 
happen. Yeah, over the years, the the rig visits we call call it relativistic heavy ion collider has upgrades. We 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 get funding as a collaboration for the for the upgrades over the years, and now the rig is planned to be shut down in 2025. We are turning into instead of ion ion collider going into an electron ion collider so that's that's roughly the the progress right so. yeah that's exciting and um yeah and um you also received the um, you were honored with the presidential early awards um award um for scientists and engineers so um we are very honored having you here. And before we start, as I said, we usually start with a short interview. So um, if you could tell us, how did you uh, discover that you would like to become a scientist? Was it something you always wanted to do? Or was it, you know, did that interest come later on while you were at university? If you could tell us, I think that's really interesting. Thank you. Sure. I mean, I in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, the place where I grew up, science is more like if you are smart, you 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 do science, science, right? So so that's what always drive people. So that's the I I feel in in China where I grew up. That's in the in the 70s, 80s, 90s. That's where the big environment. Uh, and of of course, then you you also get trained in the, in in that way. I think that's probably have big impact. Impact. I I also is very interested in studying uh, science science in the high school. So eventually, of course, uh, go to the the universities, which basically focus on science and, and, and technologies and then starting from there. So um, people say, well, when, when do I, when did I actually start to get interested in science? I actually cannot really nail a time, maybe even when I was a kid, probably I'm more and then I take instead of more literature, let's put it this way, but a name is like in the in one at one point of the time say, Hey, I suddenly say, Okay, this is really interests me. I want because of this I want to do science. I don't think that's that's the case. But over time it's slowly building up. So yeah, that's nice that um, also you had the opportunity to have a, to be exposed to a good um, science curriculum. So I'm glad mm -hmm. because now we speak and uh, you do this really uh, interesting work. Um, so I'm glad that um, that is the case. And um, how did you choose then to go into this field of uh, research that you are in now, um, uh, physics, and then um, working at 
on this project Brookhaven Lab. Um, if you could give us some behind the curtains peek, thank you. Sure, thank you. So, so when I was in college, there is a, like a quite big group in the USTC who work in 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 high energy, and so so when I was even in second starting second year, I will I will participate in their lab work. I will set up a cosmic ray triggers testing testing. Uh, detectors for some of the the experiments there. So they actually get me interested in 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 this kind of uh, science. Then when I when I went to Yale in at that time Rick was just starting build building up in ninety four. So so Rick was start building the collaborations and, and detectors starting from about 93. And so, so Yale actually has, uh, has also two professors participate in, in, in building the detectors and also running experiment at the AGS. So in, in, the, in the first summer, I already start working with the professor in the summer, which is actually uh, quite interesting. So from there, I start to participate out of qualified exams of this, you pass all the tests, and then I officially uh, joined the, the, the group and doing experiment at the at the AGS, which is a smaller accelerators at Brookhaven. So I used to travel between between New Haven and and Brookhaven through the ferry, going through Port Jeff, and eventually in '99 I got my PhD from the experiment, and then moved to working at with and so, so I have continued doing that, although it's, it's one experiment, but it's a very big experiment. So I can do all kinds of different topics and that's actually quite interesting. And I also going from, like you mentioned before, uh, playing different roles in the collaborations all the way to the, to the collaborations box spokesperson so in the from 2013 to about 2020 I'm, my main focus is the the spokespersonship of running the collaborations and only in the last three years I start shifting to coming back working with postdocs working with students on specific science topics, analysis, and paper, and that's where it get me here So, uh, for this talk. That's uh, nice. Now, now you live by the fire, you can still visit back your, your friends at, the, at Yale. <laughs> yes, but, but um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Sorry, I think it's always really interesting for people that are not scientists and not from the field to learn how 
projects and careers like um uh come about and um yeah and and what the story is behind those papers so uh thank you so much for taking the time to share that with us and um for everyone the presentation has been on top of the room feel free to access it um and the stage is yours uh thank you thank you and thank you for inviting me to to give this talk at the clubhouse and i'm very happy to give this talk and it's kind of new form of uh, of presentation for me usually we do zooms or in person and so if you have any questions or or things i it's not clear please remind me for example i i every 10 page I should tell you which page we are uh, so if I if it's not clear or lost track of which page you are please let me know so uh, now we are going to the talk uh, the first slide is the, the title title slide and I also give you information usually we also post our paper in the archive and as mentioned before, we, we just published the paper in Science Advances in January um, 4th. So if you go to Science Advances, you will be able to find that paper as well. So in, in the talk, I will basically trying to describe what we measure, what the method we measure, and what the results and what the future we are trying to in the future what we can do with this technique. So, uh, usually when you submit the paper to science or science advance they will ask you to have a short title and a teaser so these are the short title and the teaser we send to the science advance so the short title other than the official title in slide two is quantum interference enable nuclear tomography and I will go into detail ex explain why this is the teaser we get to the science advances we are using the polarized photons to fuse with the gluons to create a particle which then decay by the, in this process it actually have the quantum wave interference of non-identical particles and we can use this information to also measure the shape of the nuclei at very high energies. So it was one of the three feature articles in the science advance. And so the, the right top one is what we provided to the, to the science. So I will also go into details what that means. Um, so overall, within two, two weeks, it has been downloaded by uh, 11,000 times, which is actually quite good. Um, so just give you some background, right? So you probably heard in slide three, I provided some background. You probably heard the Young's double slit experiment and the, the importance of the phase of wave function in quantum mechanics. So I will go into to details. So more than 200 years ago, Young's experiment already demonstrated lights are like waves, right? 
So in, 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 in wave propagations, if the lights can pass through two, three spontaneously or has the possibility to pass to three, there will be interference patterns like a wave. So you will see a very intense slit in on the project project wall and then dark ones and so it's it's this pattern which commands us that lights can behave like waves. But the key point here is that the original source, the light has to come from one single source. It has the possibilities of passing two holes and then that will create the, the interference pattern. So in slide three, the right panel, the right picture on the right side is a more modern uh, young slate, double slate experiment. But instead of using the light, you can actually using electrons. You have an electron gun, which can has the possibility of passing two slide to sleep, and then you will create this interference patterns. Right? All this you can find from Wikipedia. So the, the important part is to get this interference pattern, you have to have one electron gun which shooting at the sleep has possibility of passing both sleep. And, but if I design a, an experiment, instead of one electron beam gun, you have two, and each one can only shooting at one sleep then you won't have any interference pattern. Right? These two electron guns, will, when, the, when shooting through the screen, it will behave as if they don't know each other at all. Right? And, and the point is, in quantum mechanics, you not only just have coordinates and momentum like a wave in the, in the pond, or all this you can see by eye. It actually has an invisible phase in particle wave functions. And that's keep, that's keep this interference pattern happen, right? If you have two separate electron beam guns shooting at separate slit, even if it's the same slit, they won't produce any interference patterns. Okay. And that's because the phase has to be in sync to be able to produce this kind of interference. So with this background, slide four, I show our experiment, the star collaborations at the relativistic heavy ion collider. The relativistic heavy ion collider is in Long Island. You can actually see from the satellite and this is the, the, the Long Island uh, you can see a white circle if you zoom the, the, the area from the satellite and that white circle is the ring of the collider. It's about 3.8 kilometers in, in length. And at the, at the injection entries, this is the star experiment. There are four other experiments and 
now stars the only operational experiment and this is the detector if you look at the right bottom picture this is the detector which we actually did the experiment and the picture was taken in 1999 before we actually rolled the detector into the hole and started the experiment the star collaboration now has over 700 scientists from 14 countries it it was established in 1993 and operational since 2000 and you can see the web page for more information so for doing this quantum interference you need three ingredients so slide five i show you three ingredients you need the photons to be polarized it produces a vector mesons when interact with gluons this make the vector mesons polarized you also need two wave functions at the distance so that you these two vector mesons these two particles are not interacting before they decay and then you also need an entanglement between the pi plus pi minus which from the raw decay and then be able to interference between the pi plus pi plus itself and pi minus pi minus itself so so this on the top pictures we usually call the Feynman diagrams which sure you say okay uh, ions coming through it can emit two gluons and then interact with a, a gamma with a with a light create a vector meson we call low which is polarized decay into pi plus pi minus but this process can also happen to another ions and then you create a rho zero it decay into pi plus pi minus the pi plus pi plus because they have different phases they can actually uh, interfere and then you will create the interference pattern so the bottom one is more looking at the picture where one of the ion coming into the to the to the screen the other one coming out of the screen and you look at the transverse pictures so so uh, a light from what the photon from one ion interact with the gluons in the other ion create a vector meson then it decays the decay product start the interference process but that interference only happen when they the pi plus pi minus at decay are entangled okay so this is another more picture look at it right so uh zoom in picture at the surface of the ion you create a row which decay immediately into pi plus pi minus the other one also did the same thing at a 180 degree they also decay into pi plus pi minus and then the pi plus pi, pi plus will come together the wave function will 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 interfere create one pi plus then the two pi minus wave function will 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 we add it together with a phase and create pi minus so at the end of the day all we see in the detector inside this detector this actually is a real detector picture with pick people in in 1998 they are installing the detector you can also see 
we only see two particles. So all these um, four particles, all these decays, uh, two rows, when we discuss about this, there are actually no physically, a physical particle, they are actually wave functions. So although we show you two rows, but those are all wave functions, four pions, two plus, two mi minus, they're actually physically, they don't exist at all. It's all wave functions. At the end, all this happened and we only detect one pi plus and one pi minus. So this has to be very clear. So when we're talking about quantum entanglement interference, they are all happening at the wave function level. It actually, in real physical particle, it actually doesn't exist. At the end, we only see one pi plus and one pi minus. Okay, this is a very, very important. Uh, and you can see the two rows, they are, they are at distance 20 Fermi, which is much, much further away than their lifetime, so they will decay immediately. So these two rows that actually never has any chance to interact or even their wave function never actually overlap. They actually don't know each other at all. So all this happen, interference is only through the pi plus pi plus wave function, pi minus pi minus wave function. And when the row decay, the entanglement keep this pi plus pi minus phase at a certain phase and it doesn't change, and it's this Mechlin interference. Like I mentioned in slide three, that that phase is very important. Otherwise, you don't have interference if they don't have a if they have a random phase between each other. Right? I mean, you probably know using light to image any object that is diffractive imaging of any object is has been done in many, many places. And same thing with nucleon, you can actually heat the nuclear with a happy, with a high energy photons and the diffractive pattern will tell you the size of the nuclear. So this is very similar to many, many other measurements in using the cyclotron light or using the x-rays. Right? So I won't go into details in slide seven I just show you there has been a long history of using the light to actually imaging uh, any object, right? Using the diffractive patterns, using any object, right? So I tell you there are three ingredients. In slide A, I tell you the first step. How do we know the photons from this excellent heavy ions are polarized? We actually can measure that and this is through the famous Brett-Wheeler process. So Brett and Wheeler are two scientists uh, predict in 1934 that two photons can interact with each other to create electron and post-strong pairs, right? And so they can actually also calculate polarizations and the angle. So, so not only from the process, I tell you the photon from one nuclear can interact with the gluons from the other nu nucleus, 
but the two photons they can also interact and if they are polarized they will have uh, angular distributions and we actually measure in slide 8 I show you this pro which published uh, two years ago it actually has the angular distributions which consistent with 100% linear polarized photons so from that measurement we know those photons interact with the gluons are polarized okay. so slide 9 sure say now we can actually look at different angles of now coming back to the row photon interact with gluon to create a row we can actually calculate the mass of the pi plus pi minus you will see the mass distribution of the row and you know that's the particle which actually create all this uh, wave function all this interference we can look at the angular distributions and you can clearly show this interference patterns uh, at different directions so there is there are two features it has striking asymmetric dependence of the diffraction so because the gold ion look like a ball so if you don't have any interference it should give you the pattern which that doesn't depend on the angle right and this already tell you something else other than a diffraction happens so slide 10 I go into a more uh, explanations of how this happened right so this is actually a, a normal form of quantum entangled entanglement and it's different from Young-Stapple-Slit experiment in which Young-Stapple-Slit experiment it actually has to the photons come from one source and it's identical photons photon and photon they are identical particles you cannot tell one from the other what we have done is actually non-identical particles from two different sources actually interfere right so so in the in the slide 10 the right side the picture give you the idea say you have two low wave functions they actually are not from same source they are actually from from different light interactables with different ions create two wave functions these two wave functions and then it decay into pi plus pi minus right and then the pi plus pi plus will interfere with with it, uh, each other pi minus pi minus interfere with each other but because originally if it's just low and they these two low wave function they don't have a fixed phase they have a random phase you actually don't get this interference so the pi plus pi plus itself won't get this interference if it's not because of the pi minus pi minus and if it's not because the pi plus pi minus they they are from a decay they have a fixed phase right so this is kind of complicated entanglement so okay so just to to summarize you need this all these three ingredients to happen to be able to see this funny interference pattern I assure you so you need the 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 photons to be polarized the vector mesons which it create to be polarized 
you need a two-way function at a very large distance to actually two-way functions so you have decay into total of four particles and then you need the entanglement between pi plus pi minus from one particle decay so that this pi plus pi plus and pi minus pi minus they are separately can interfere right so these are all the three ingredients so I assure you the photons are polarized, the vector mesons are polarized, and how do I how do I know say you need two wave functions? And we actually have a way of doing it. So this slide twelve show you say okay, if I have different system, for example I have, can have gold ion collide with gold ion, uranium collide with uranium, proton collide with gold. So in the case of proton and gold, the proton only carry charge 1, gold carry charge 79. So they are very different photon field. So the proton has much weaker photon field, so it cannot create enough photon to interact with the gold. So it's like one-sided. So you only have one wave function. And in D, if we look at the pico interactions, you see nothing. There is no interference plus and there is no angular distributions. But for the uranium angle, you actually see a very dramatic uh, angular distributions. And you can also look at their momentum distribution of this pattern as well, and you see the P gold actually consistent with zero. It means because you only have one source of the photon source, you don't have two to actually interfere with this. So we experimentally established indeed you have two wave function which cause this, um, this interference from the entanglement. So in slide, three, slide 13, I try to see tell you say if you can look at different angles of those decay interference and you can actually measure this, try to measure the size and they look very different if you look at different angles. So you need to have a way in slide 14, I tell you looking at different angles, look at the size, then you can actually deduce very precisely the actual nuclear, nuclear New, nuclear size, for example, the gold, what's the size? The uranium, what's the size? And this, we were not able to do for the last 20 years because we didn't understand this interference effect from the entanglement. Now we understand it, we can actually use this angular distribution to extract very precisely the nuclear size. And that's very important because for the last 20 years, we are always very confused why the nucle nucleus, if we don't look at this interference pattern, just look at the diffraction like any other people did it. You sunlight on one object, you look at the diffractive, from the diffract diffraction pattern you will be able to measure the size. That method didn't work because we didn't take into account this entangled interference. And after we take this into account, we can actually measure the, the nuclear radius in terms of Fermi very precisely. And then 
you can actually extract uh, this information and neutron scan and compare with other measurements at the lower energies at other places. So in on slide 15, on the bottom, uh, on the right bottom plot, which show in in previous other people's publication measurements of the neutron skin. Neutron skin is means the radius in the nucleus, their neutron distribution and proton distributions are different. And this is related to the to the symmetry energy which actually can constrain the equation state of the neutron stars. So we can actually have independent measurements trying to see whether what are the equation state of neutron stars due to this asymmetry energy between the neutron-neutron interactions and proton-proton interaction. So our measurement seems to indicate like, like it actually has a very high uh, neutron skin than most of the model we have predicted. This will give you a stiffer equation of state than expected. So, so we are trying to figure out what, where may be potentially issues and where we can measure at different nucleus and see whether we can map out this symmetrically and compare with other measurements. Right. So slide 17, I also come with, these are all words, I actually, we actually can build a model from other measurements from theory and compare with data. For example, you can have the the Gluon distributions or from experiment empirically calculate the distribution and compare with data. And you can see this in the slide 17, the, the angular distribution as a function of momentum of the particles, you can actually roughly describe the data, but there are a lot of details that don't really match. So we need to actually improve our, our understanding. Okay, so there are ways, several ways to improve how to match with the data and whether that we can actually then extract more information. For example, the, the, the dry top peak distributions, the second, you have the first peak, the second peak. So the higher PT, the higher energy diffractions will tell you more details distribution of the nucleons and we actually haven't gone into this detail. This may give us more details about the detailed distribution of the nucleons. The other thing we can do is test fundamental uh, uh, quantum entanglement. Right? I told you that we create a row particles, but there are two wave functions, right? similar to, to the double slit experiment. If we added in the in slide 19 on the top right if we added some noise to the system we that destroy the quantum interference or the entanglement so this actually we can do we can actually move these two ions collide to to closer to each other create a lot of particles and see whether the entanglement uh, still persists so this is something in the future we can do in slide 20, if you look in the Nobel Prize in Physics 2022, just a few months ago, in, in their webpage, they give you a case, right? Say, 
you can actually create entangled particles that they actually never met. For example, in this uh, left picture from the the their web page for for the twenty twenty two Nobel Prize in Physics, they give you a case. Say, I have a have a source of called pair one emit two photons. Have an independent source called entangled pair two emit two green photons. These two sources, they actually have nothing to do with each other. One and four, these two photons has nothing to do with each other. But if I can manage to entangle two and three, you actually can create an entanglement between one and four, which these two photons actually has never met, right? So in fact, I'm thinking, we actually have the case which is similar. I told you about the pi plus pi plus interfere, pi minus pi minus interfere, but we actually don't know whether it's a case which is similar with this entangled particle that never met. Since pi plus pi minus are particles and antiparticle of each other, their wave function increase in principle can cancel each other. So if uh, the law from one source and law from the other source that decay into pi plus pi minus. If the pi plus from one source and pi minus from one source, their condition are, called, are right, they actually can actually wave function completely cancel each other. So what we, you detect is particle one and four, which is pi minus pi plus. These two particles actually had never met each other, but they are actually entangled. So this is one of the case which actually can exactly map to what uh, what's in the lab pictures, but we nature actually create this for us to manipulate instead of we need the entangler to merge two and three together. So this is actually quite interesting and exciting, and we try to find whether there is a way we can actually distinguish this case and the pi, pi plus pi plus interfere, pi minus pi minus interfere. So that's quite exciting. So in slide 21, I just sum summary and the future perspectives. I won't go into the details. I will be interested to see if there are questions and comments. Thank you. Thank you so much for this um, really amazing um, presentation to explaining to us um, how, you know, the advancements you made to see um, to see this um, in in different angles, and then the the, the groundbreaking results you you got with this. So uh, thank you, we really appreciate it. And um, I wanted to ask, did so so you managed to have basically um, different angles recordings, um, and how did it? Did it you? It also changed um, the perspective. Also changed um, the size um, that we measured before. I think right. So before we thought, or the the visualization was bigger, and now it's more accurate. Um, by by how much is it now more accurate? And and will you basically maybe? even increase in the future the amount of angles you will look at um, this um, oh. 
Very, or... Yeah, very good question. I, um, I skipped some of the technical de details, but you will go to slide 13 and indeed, right? So, are you at slide 13? Uh, yes, thank you. Okay, so if you look at the zero and degree and the 90 degree, these two plots show you the extracted radio which we call R, right? So one is 7.9 Fermi, the other one is 7.09. So they are almost different by one Fermi. But even this number is actually much bigger than what we actually finally extracted using this, this method. So if you go to slide 14, the, then you look at the angular distribution at different angle, right? So these are measuring at different angle and then you can use the, the, the formula to extract the final radius, for example, for gold, which is 6.62. This is to compare with the in slide 13, 7.9 and 7.09. So they are all much bigger, right? Yeah, so um, would it also, if we would do that with other particles, would we have a similar effect using your new technique? Yes, so so slide 15, that's what uh, we, we measure the gold and measure the uranium. So we are trying to, to push, for example, whether we can measure LHC, which one that, that, and then we can compare with the raw energy ones and Unfortunately, we run other copper copper and many other systems, but some of the system, when we take the data, we don't take specifically this data, so we are not able to do the imaging. Uh, but yes, it will be important to be able to, in slide 16, I assure you to be able to actually measure other nuclei and see if uh, they are consistent or they are in a different chain. So that's actually very important. So. Yes, that's interesting. And, and do you assume that the effect you see, um, um, because, you know, the, the results you get, that this would be um, also happening with any other um, Nuclear, as you said, you, you know, you imaged this specific one. Do you think the same effect with the pions, that's, that's most likely, uh, you know, something we can generalize, um, right? Or... Yeah, that's a very good question. So, so I mentioned that specifically in our measurement law, right? So if you look at slide six, we specifically create law, but there are no limit to, to law. The photon interact with the gluons, they actually can create other vector mesons. For example, phi, which will decay into K plus, K minus, the kaons. Or the jepsi, more famous particle, the jepsi, which decay into electron and positrons. And they will have also this effect. Although their lifetimes, their, their spin of the products are different, so 
so it will be slightly different numeric results but they will all have this effect and so in my summary slide yeah so if you look at one two three four the item four is be able to actually test all of this with other particles right fire and jet sign and other particles and they are heavier so they have also decay into different things but this quantum effect should still be there so we are very interested in, in, in future measurements. So there will be a lot more things come up. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see. Um, and um, I know this effect, like this, um, is a very fast uh, reaction, right? It's like, um, I forgot. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like Fermi. So if you yeah. want to say how many, how, um, the time it will be 10 to the minus 23 lifetime with seconds, right? So it's very, very fast. So we won't, it will never be possible to freeze this in time because in just thinking about maybe doing this um, for communication or so, I don't know if it would even be necessary or um but this to to have different mm -hmm. particles uh being entangled but let's say um this would be something we would like to use i don't know between us and australia um would there be a possibility to basically freeze this in time and then yeah, yeah i don't know probably using this kind of it's probably not effective. Also, pions decay, decay as well, right? But like in my slide 19, slide 20, what we can do is test some of the, the, the fundamental features of quantum mechanics and entanglement, and that will help others, may be able to help others to, to actually build communication systems of computing what we can do is using this kind of systems to test fundamental quantum mechanics and and, and quantum inter, in, entanglement right for example slide 19 right one of the issues is if you add the noise into the system will you be able to still maintain that information right that's very important in quantum computing and and and, 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 and quantum entanglement communications so what we can do is testing this if you add the noise at the fundamental level does it actually destroy the entanglement right slide 20 tell you we can test whether we don't need an entangler, slide 20, you actually have the wave function built in the nature that actually can actually cancel each other, right? So these are more testing the fundamental features of quantum mechanics, the, the phase of the wave functions and the entanglement. And this may help other people building, like you said, communications at the uh, give you a, a, um, a foundations instead of say using what we have to build a, a, a big system.
I don't know whether this make it yeah, makes sense yes. to you. So, yes, okay. it does. Thank you so much. Um, uh, this is really fascinating. And so you said there wouldn't be needed maybe entangler and we still need or um, you would need to test if, if this effect is also being seen with noise. And assuming with um, adding noise, it would still you know, different type of particles could become entangled. Um, it's really interesting to think, so do you think there's um, interpretation for like the macroscopic world um, in this, um, in this experiment? Um, that, yeah, for, that's yeah. right. So that's a very good question. For example, we are talking about the the, the quantum computing uh, communication with entanglement. So one of the one of the issue is if you have noise, if you have vibrations, if you will add noise from the environment, will they be able to still contain the information or just lost it? Right. So 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 this will be also one of the tests, right? At the very wave function level, fundamental level, if I add the noise to the system, with a wave function certainly collapse and the pi plus, pi minus from the low decay they don't maintain they entangle information their face, right? So this is something we we can test in the future. Thank you so much. I wanted to give Kirko an opportunity um, if he would like to ask a question and also everyone in the audience, uh, please feel free to raise your hand and um, ask a question here on stage or leave a comment or question in the chat. Um, and yeah, Kirko, if you have a question, go ahead. Give me a second. I got to kind of think about like all of this. It's Pretty cool talk, but I am, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of lost. <laughs> so uh, give me a, a couple of minutes to get my updates. Sure. Yeah, it took, uh, it took me more than two years to actually think this through and how this can happen. And what happened, what we can test, what it prove. So even for us, it's actually quite new and it took us a long time during pandemic, we have all the time to think through. And I think that actually helped, to be honest, think through for two years to actually go through all of this. And at the beginning, we are all very confused too, so. That's interesting and comforting um, to hear that. Um, so were you, um, were people really surprised, your colleagues, when they when they heard the results of your experiment? Um, what and how often did you have to kind of repeat it that uh, you believed yourself and and yeah. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I mean, in the general terms, hey, this is very cool. We can prove there's entanglement, and and at the at the distance level, people think, okay, that's possible. But if you go into the details, 
not many people actually understand what we are actually doing. Even last week when Daniel was giving the, the colloquium and a very good friends and also a very established and quite famous uh, scientists in our field, theorists, he told us he finally understand what actually we were doing. So, so, so it's, um, yeah, so it's, I would say it's a highly non-trivial and complicated, but at the distance, right? It's easy to understand, say, hey, I have wave functions, I have entanglement, and this enables us to actually very precisely image the new nucleus using this technique. And it, uh, we achieve this by looking at non-identical particles entanglement. Right? So at the, at the distance level, it's, it, the concept seems, seems to be understandable, but in the detail, how it was done, what's involved, I would say, even now, not many people actually in the, in the field actually know the detail exactly how it works. And in, even in slide 20, right, I just give you examples that we are even not sure whether this is the case or the other one is the case, right, so. Yeah, I, um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting that um, when I read that that the pions that they they carry the information from their originating particle um, and that in this short time they they exist in a very short time they can basically communicate the information from their originating particle in that short time. I feel that is very fascinating to me and very puzzling, you know, in the, the, this microscopic, very short time world, you still have this, yeah, you, you still have this um, effective way of, um, yeah, of, information transfer. I think that's really interesting. Is that the limit basically information can be transferred on this level or do you think there will be even one day shorter wave functions with even shorter time that we will um, discover that can still transfer information effectively? Yeah, so, so, so you that's right. So in slide three, I mentioned a very important concept, concept, and like you said, that information is embedded in this cold phase, right? So ordinarily, if you just measure the particles, where it is, and what are the energy or momentum of that particle, you actually, that information actually get lost, right? So the only thing it, it embedded is, say, these pions, somehow it will interfere with other, other pion wave function from, from the other law and create this interference, interference patterns. So one of the things, if you go to the final slide summary is, as I mentioned before, we can use 
different particles, for example, fire and jet side, they are heavier. That means they can be more localized. So, so um, indeed, if, if, for example, the photon energy to create fire and jet side will be higher energies, so we can do shorter distances. And so that's one of the things we want to do, and we will see what the outcome is. So this, uh, you are exactly right. So, so, so we are going to try to use heavier particles, higher energy photons to see. And also, if you use different, different nuclei, you can actually control also the, the, the distance, how close they can be or how far, far, far away they can be. Oh, that's fascinating. I'm curious to, to learn about your future research. Einar joined the stage. Uh, welcome, Einar. I hope you, do you still have a couple of minutes to, to answer um, the question? Sure. sure Thank you. Go. Hey, Einar, go ahead. Yeah, hi, Katarina. Uh, thank you very much. Um, hi, uh, Shang Zhu, if I'm said your name correctly. Um, so what I'm wondering about is that um, uh, I, I tried to, to see in your um, uh, on the, the, the document here, as Katharina mentioned, like the angles um, uh, might not be, uh, would be simplify, simplified. Uh, but my question is that if there actually is an entanglement or not, um do you, uh what are your thoughts and or, or do you have any speculation what kind of uh wave functional force actually being involved when it comes to entanglement or not like is this uh something you can say something about thank you yeah so very good question so in slide three i tell you say what you need right so so very importantly in quantum mechanics all this entanglement or um, happen is you either have to have the somewhere create a correlation or a phase which embedded into this particle's wave function right so in slide three on the right hand side i give you example say the electron beam gun going through two street can go through two street you create interference pattern the reason it can create that interference pattern because the electrons come from the same source. So they are phased when they pass through slit one or pass through slit two. This two wave function has exactly the same phase. So that when these two wave functions going through, they will have a phase which create fixed phase which create interference pattern. If I have two separate electron guns run by two different people shooting at one slit each, it will never create this pattern because this two-way function has a random phase. So we know these two guns, and people did explain these two guns, if you don't have these two sources of electrons, they are not in any way entangled or correlated, you won't be able to create the interference interference pattern right and we also have a have a have a case if you look at slide 12 
we use a proton gold which you only have one source you also won't create this interference pattern it's absolutely zero right so we know that you do need two wave functions and you do need entanglement to actually create any of these patterns we observed i don't know whether that answer your your question oh yeah it answers a lot but um and i just just a follow-up question here um is it um can you see a, a relation between um more dense solid matter and what's not dense solid matter in like a physical way or good that's a very good question so slide 12 answer some of that question right if you look at the uranium and gold right they actually have different size and we actually can see they have different patterns right so the black uh the black the 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 red is the 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 gold the black is the uranium and you can see i didn't tell so you you see on the right on the right hand side plot you see the black and the red both has one peak but they're actually going down in a different way and when you go to higher we call pt you actually have different patterns and this different pattern probably tell you different different internal density of these two objects and we haven't gone into the detail of the second peak third peak all of this so if we have in the future if we have enough statistics you will be able to actually see a more detailed distributions inside but just from this probably you already see uranium and gold they have different size and you should you to see different results, right? Ah, oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we've been, uh, we went a little bit over an hour, but this is such an interesting topic and such a fundamental research. So um, that's really interesting. And Thank you so much for explaining this to us in, in a way that we are able to ask some questions. I hope it was okay. And um, I hope you enjoyed the discussion a little bit too. And yeah. I'm very curious to learn about the future, um, you know, results you will have with different kind of particles and, and figuring out the distance between uh, the wave functions so they can entangle so it's really interesting it's fascinating thank you yeah we have we have different groups working on this so i'm expecting in the next few years there will be quite a few different results related to this topic come out so and thank you very much it's really a pleasure to 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 discuss and 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 communicate with um, this group about this topic so yes thank you and yeah maybe we hear you back one day um that will be exciting and um yeah i hope everything goes 
Well, with building a new particle collider in the future, I know it's two years. <laughs> yeah, it will be usually take about more than ten years to build one, and then then it take another twenty more than twenty years. So, so the the first the relativistic heavy ion collider, the first proposal was in nineteen eighty three. When it stopped proposing in 1993, we stopped building a detector. In 2000, we started running. So now we published this paper. It's like 23 years later, after the first operations. Compared with 1983, it's uh, 40 years before we, from starting proposing to actually have these results, it's 40 years. Probably quite a, many of you probably have not been born at that time yet. <laughs> so, uh, so it's a um, it's it's a fascinating um, phenomena, I would say. Oh, that's interesting. Thank you for sharing that timeline with us. I was not aware um, of um, that, and um, I mean, I'm glad that. We have places in the world where people are still patient to wait, you know, to invest money and wait for results. Because I feel like in the last maybe 20 years, we kind of always um, focus more to applied science and having fast papers. So I'm, I'm glad to hear so we can learn about how our universe works and not focus on producing papers and papers that don't, you know, bring anything groundbreaking. <laughs> so, so I'm glad. Um, and thank you for, um, for sharing all this information, giving us a peek into behind the curtains, how, how things work and what the timelines are. That's really interesting. So I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And um, yeah, good luck for everything in the future, and we will keep following your work. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you and everyone. Thank you. And um, yeah, if you, everyone, thank you for coming and asking questions. Uh, it makes the discussion so much more interesting if more people ask questions from different perspectives. And the next talk uh, will be with Dr. Uh, Taverna talking about polarized x-rays from magnetars. Um, so yeah, <laughs> kind of uh, interesting discussions this week that I have to study a lot for. <laughs> That's also a very interesting topic, which is related to us, the polarized photons. Right? So. Oh, maybe you want to come. Um, the talk is yes. tomorrow at 9 a.m. I so, see, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I can send you the link you would like to come. Okay. It'll be for sure interesting discussion if you were there too. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you so much. I'll close the room in three, two, one. Bye everyone. Thank Bye. you.